to No Thank You Next. I'm Megan. And I'm Rachel. Well, guys, we're still here. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a week for you and... uh, It's the same night for us. (laughs) Minutes for us. And uh, this is showbiz. That's right. That's showbiz. A little BTS. (laughs) we're fucking losing our minds that's it oh my god this is a long episode but it's good it's compelling it's It's good it's compelling it's good amazing material hold on to your butts (laughs) we have another whole episode about this motherfucker john e robinson so let's give you a tiny tiny recap Mm -hmm. john lives in kansas city married to nancy has four kids he is a piece of shit. <laughs> Say it with me. John is, is a, a piece, piece of, of shit. shit. <laughs> okay. So he does a shit ton of fraudulent things. He kills Paula. Paula. Okay. So Paula Godfrey would be his first victim. Then he would kill Lisa, Stacy, second, and give her baby Tiffany to his brother. Last we heard of John on episode one, part one, on episode part one, <laughs> uh, he had just, <laughs> where was I? Oh, I was right here. Teresa had gotten away because of the FBI after finding out that they were going on a trip to the Virgin Islands and she had signed blank pages. Blank pages. God. So Teresa got away. Red she would have been the third victim for Absolute sure. Right. Now that we're caught up, we are going to jump in to January of 1986. John is finally convicted for fraud charges. Unfortunately, none of the murder cases. Uh, he was convicted on fraud against an Overland Park man in connection with an Arizona real estate deal. He was sentenced to 6 to 19 years in prison as a habitual criminal. Mm-hmm. After appeals, he finally went to prison in Kansas in May of 1987. Coincidentally, right before he is finally put in prison, an other employee of his, Catherine Clampett, goes missing. She's 27. She had answered a newspaper ad after just moving to Kansas, and he promised it was a great job. It gave her a new wardrobe, and there was tons of traveling. She was described as an intelligent... She was described as intelligent with a wild side. She was living in hotels, and in mid-1987, she disappeared, and her brother Robert Bales started to worry because he hadn't heard from her in weeks. So he calls police, and police are unable to leak her disappearance to John, who was on his way to prison. It was like his final kill before he was put away in the pen. (sighs) Unfortunately, John's bullshit, he was pulling on the outside, also worked on the inside, his doughboy exterior. He was an exemplary inmate and was put in charge of maintenance operations. There, he developed a computer program that saved the prison $100,000 a year. What? Yeah, with his super fraudulent skills. Oh, he's such right? a cool dad. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. While in prison, he mm. suffered a series of minor strokes where the staff also thought he was a model prisoner. So he was paroled in January of 1991 after only serving less than four years in prison. Jeez. Stephen hadn't forgotten about John, but the FBI had moved on to new cases. Stephen warned against the release of him, but he had only served 
for four, less than four years. But the good news was he wasn't actually released till spring of 1993. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he served a little bit more time. So he's now 49. And his wife, Nancy, due to having no income coming in, had sold off their estate to in Pleasant Valley Farms and had taken a job as a manager at a mobile home in Missouri. It was in a development called South Fork, and all the streets were named after characters on Dallas, the popular TV show in the 70s and the 80s. There you go, baby boomers. That's your second reference. (laughs) Or your first for this episode. Right? (laughs) We got to bring you up every episode. Uh, The twins were now in college, so it was just the two of them in a mobile home, which wasn't as glamorous as Jonathan's used to. But, you know, he had to deal with it. Soon after being released, John was back to his old bullshit. A few months after his release, the librarian at the prison named Beverly Bonner left her husband, filed for divorce, and moved to Kansas City in 1994 and joined forces with John to become president of Hydro Pro Incorporated, a completely fake company. Oddly, Beverly's mother started getting typed letters from her saying, Everything was great and signed by Beverly. (gasps) She had all of her alimony checks sent to a P.O. box and unbeknownst to her ex-husband, John was picking up those checks. And guess what? No one ever heard from Beverly after January of 1994. So he was cashing all of her checks even after he killed her. Oh, my God. Next was Sheila Faith. Sheila met John through an ad in a newspaper. Her husband had died of cancer. And her daughter, Debbie, had spina bifida and depended on her full time. They lived in Pueblo, Colorado and lived off, I think, her husband's social security. I'm not entirely sure. It could have been hers. Okay. She was described as a very lovely person. And John had promised her the world and to take her on a cruise and not worry. He would take care of her and her daughter. No, don't go on a cruise. <laughs> Never go. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Have we learned nothing? Nothing. nothing. Excuse me. Podcast by the sea, people. It's real. Basements. Yeah, true. Cruises. Late night park dates. Honey. These are, these are all no's. These, these are, are all big no's. Honey, don't go on that cruise. <laughs> <laughs> Sheila and Debbie had planned to go to Texas in summer of 1994. And they were like, hey, how about we just stop in Kansas? But without warning, John decided to surprise them in Colorado for a middle of the night visit. Oh my gosh. What Isn't a that sweet, just convenient man. So sweet. I love middle of the night visits when I'm dead ass asleep. Right? Oh, so good. So coincidentally, before this visit, he had convinced Sheila to send her social security checks to the same P.O. box The other checks were going to. No. Nope. Sweet Sheila and her daughter were never seen again. John then continued with his bullshit. Newspaper ads and the romance dating connection columns looking for women who had a wild side. Around September 1st, 1995, he found an ad for a woman saying she was masterful, successful, entrepreneurial, looking for a 35 to 50 year old man. So he calls her. And leaves her a message on her answering machine. Hmm. And he finds out her name is Chloe Elizabeth. And she's probably like super smart and did not give him her real name. And Google wasn't real yet. 
So no one could fact check her. So she says she's very controlling in her work life, but she's looking to be controlled in the bedroom. Ooh. I want to be a little submissive. Do you? Chloe knows what's up. Oh. So because it's 1995, she asks John to send her documents proving that he is who he said he is. Because girl is smart and she's like, I'm not going to be catfish. I don't know what that is, but I don't want it. Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Ahead of the game. game. Exactly. Go, Chloe. But of course, these things can be doctored. So, of course, he doctored documents. Also, she had now told him her address. No. I know. But don't worry. Nothing happens with that. Like, it's not anything bad. But, like, guys, don't put out your address. No. So, he mails her newspaper clippings of him with the queen in London when he was an Eagle Scout at 13. Oh, my God. Like, what? No. Girl. No. Why? You, no. 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 He also sent a bunch of other articles that were, like, bullshitting. Like, he was, like, the number one hydro whatever. Hydroponic. Yeah. Like, tomato grower in the yes, like those state of Missouri. Like, he was, like, a trailblazer. Like, Missouri. No. Illinois. Whatever. I, We're still in Missouri, Kansas. We're not in Kansas anymore. We're in Missouri. We're not in Kansas anymore. Girl, we're in Missouri. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm so lost. So many places. All right. right. Back to what you were saying. Impressed with his 13 year old patches, she decided to invite him over to hook up. So, on October 25th, 1995, at 2 p.m., he goes to her house. It had been nearly two months of chatting, so she took it slow. And I'm not going to go into detail because they really did about what happened that day because, yeah, it's just not important. Yeah. But basically, he didn't kill her. But... After they hooked up, on his way out, he did say, you're stupid for allowing me to do all of that because I could have killed you. Oh, my God. Which is nearly as That's- frightening as being murdered. Yes. Oh, my God. Like, who says that? Oh, my God. That Hello? The dude in Booksmart. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the driver. Oh, my God. The pizza driver. Yes, the pizza driver. He's like, do you even have a weapon on do you? Do you have a weapon? I have a I have <laughs> I keep this to protect myself. They're like, oh my God, no, we didn't even think about that. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. That Mm -hmm. happened. Oh my God. So. Well, that's a fucking rapey serial killer thing to say to somebody before you leave their house. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So this is when it started to dawn on me that I had heard this story before. He, I don't know, again, I don't know where I heard this. If you do know, then write us in and let me know because I don't know if it was another podcast or another show or something. Mm -hmm. But this is the part that like got me. It was familiar. Yeah. So basically in her head, she felt like she wasn't worried because she had a friend upstairs in the bedroom who had taken pictures of his license plates and was there if anything were to go wrong. Okay. So she's like super duper smart. Wow. So the comment of killing her, like it didn't really like scare her, I guess. I don't know. They like continued a BDSM relationship. I guess it's... Probably hard to find somebody like on your level in that like type of community. Maybe. I just don't know. I don't either. Girl was like, fuck yeah. I want to almost be murdered every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to live in that, that is her jam. every week. Terrifying. 
they started their relationship, but she was also a little suspicious. Yeah. What is that from? Where I'm not superstitious, but I'm like a little stitious. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. What is that from? I know exactly what you're talking about. It's from The Office. Oh. Superstitious, but I'm, I am a little stitious. <laughs> <laughs> So good. Yeah. The office. The office. Of course. So good. Of course. So good. Um, <laughs> so she started to get suspicious. A little stitious. <laughs> she was only a little stitious. So she decides uh, she had a contact that was in the government. So she runs his plates and the car is actually registered in his wife's name. He had told her that he was divorced. She started getting a little stitious <laughs> <laughs> because John had asked her, this is super duper fucking nuts. Yeah. He had asked her to list all of her assets for him so that he could be in charge of her money. She's like, no, you ain't going to get a part of my money, honey. No. He said, dominance take control of everything and you're my slave. And she was aware of some relationships being like that, but she wanted to lose control in the bedroom, not in her bank account. No, no, no not in her personal, financial, everyday, mm-hmm. regular, normal girl life. Excuse me. <laughs> no, I balance my own checkbook. Excuse me. Right, I found my checkbook. That's what they did in the nineties. That is what they did in the nineties. Eighties and nineties, we found right. our checkbooks. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it comes with your checks. Comes with that. <laughs> I still have it. <laughs> balance your shit. Balance it. Balance now, it. Balance now how it. much real money you actually exactly. Have. Our debit cards are lies. They are. They're monopoly money, <laughs> basically. Since it was a real hard pass on her part, he was not going to be a part of her financial gains. So that was enough for him to invite her on a fun European vacation. Oh, but sign a couple of these blank pages for me. I would really appreciate it. But before they left, there was a pesky thing John had to have her do. Sign some blank pieces of stationery. I'll take blank stationery for 500 Alex. Oh, God. Someone's going to write how it They're going to be like, you don't know how Jeopardy works, you <laughs> fucking idiots. You know, I will tune in to the updates about the really crazy people that keep going, but I will not watch an episode. No. <laughs> okay. I don't know about you guys, but if you've ever been on a European vacation, you have to sign that stationery. That's right. So, Chloe, feeling those serial killer feelings tingling through her body decides to not go on the trip with him fucking spidey sense yep good so he decides because he's super butthurt that he's just gonna go to australia so bye don't contact me (laughs) she later finds out that he never left kansas because duh and she was like cracky razor blades bitch That's what she said when she called his office to check in where the fuck he was. And she's like, Cracky, rise up lights. Rise up lights, bitch. That's what she said on the phone. If you don't know, go listen to our previous episodes. I think it's episode two, rise up lights. Rise up lights. Yeah, I think it was. (laughs) So if you don't know an Australian action, you rise up lights. You rise up lights. (laughs) So... (laughs) 
<laughs> she calls her his office and literally it just picks up and nobody says anything. So she's like, okay. So she hangs up and then she gets a call back immediately. And it's John. And he says, how dare you check up on me, mate? I'm in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Good day, mate. Fuck you. Yeah. Good day. Oi. No, that's a different country. Had a couple of Fosters. I gotta go watch the wallabies. Cricket. I gotta watch the wallabies play cricket. <laughs> oh my god. There's a Dingo Ate My Baby joke in there somewhere. Aww. Those poor people. R.I.P. Baby. <laughs> Wow, that got real dark real fast. I'm sorry. I didn't know the actual story. That's right. Yeah, no, I didn't either. I didn't know that that was an actual Yeah, exactly. Because I saw it on fucking Seinfeld. Yeah. Oh. I think I ate my baby. Ellen. I remember it being from like uh, a crocodile. Elaine was trying to, Ellen was trying to like make, um, like an excuse for why she didn't want to go on a date or something. I could be completely wrong. Oh my God. But she just kept saying a dingo ate my baby. Aww. And it was like the funniest joke. And then I like read the news article. Hilarious, Rachel. A dingo totally stole their baby. Yeah. And then they got charged for uh, murder. I know. And they had to actually like. They didn't believe it. Prove that the dingo ate their baby. No, They like found her jacket later. People, oh, it's a real thing. So Sorry to bring you down, but that's what we're all about. This is a murder podcast. <laughs> I don't know if you Did know. You, we just detoured from another horrible story. I don't <laughs> to know if you realize. Different horrible story. <laughs> oh, oh my god. it was the good day mates. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Our girl. Yes. Chloe. Chloe. Is like, uh she's like, no, thank you. Liar, liar, who cheats and lies. Yes. I'm done. So they end up just being people who email chain letters to one another throughout the 90s. <laughs> You'll have seven years bad luck if you don't respond to my email. <laughs> and guess what? He finally does. <laughs> it finally catches up to him. The boy that hung himself in the closet was definitely there that night when right. he did chain email that 50 <laughs> times to all his friends. <laughs> or fill out the survey about whether or not they like nails painted or not. <laughs> <laughs> we wasted so many time. So many chain letters. So much time on those chain emails. Oh my gosh. When somebody tells you it's gonna be bad luck, bitch, you better do Listen, it. Listen, so and you baby you boomers, stop trying to make chain emails happen on Facebook. <laughs> It. We were doing it in seventh grade and we've grown out of it. I know Stop that you guys have finally caught wind. There Stop is it. never an emergency Stop that it. someone will need you to copy and paste something. Come on. You guys should have known this by the Get body Facebook thing. Get off like, Facebook. It's so gassy. Ugh, it's in there, girl. You just gotta let it out. I can't. I feel Believe it in yourself. Here, a fart here. <laughs> God. When I'm it gets under mess. the ribs. Just yeah. lay down. Just lay flat. That's how I feel. You have to lay flat. If you want to. I remember it. I was in Fry's Electronics when I was a kid and I was no. just like, my ribs hurt. And my mom was like, okay, let's go to the car and lay down. And it was like when we we parked behind the singer Seal. He had, yeah. Yeah. He oh, was married to Heidi Klum. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I know. It's fucking Seal. Kiss by Rose. Well, he was, yeah. He was in Fry's Electronics the same time I was having like rib gas problems. Oh, no. And I went and I laid down in my, our car. And then all of a sudden, Seal came out of Fry's Electronics and got into his car. And he was parked <laughs> right in front of us. Yeah. He heard me just rip one. <laughs> He's all, I can use you on some backups. <laughs> You got a real good base. You got some good base, girl. 
<laughs> Let me get a snippet of that. <laughs> oh my god! But we totally saw him like walk to his car. Wow! I was like completely starstruck, and he saw us notice him, and he like got into his car even faster. Oh, I'm not gonna bother you, sir. I'm one of those nice I'm people. Farting. Who... <laughs> I have other things happening. You with think myself. the whole world revolves around you? Not yeah. important enough. I have gas. <laughs> <laughs> my ribs hurt. Uh, <laughs> it's true mine too. but yeah that's my fun story about how i saw a seal one time in the frost electronics oh my god because my mom had to take me to the car because i had to fart <laughs> please always tell it that way <laughs> don't ever say it as something that you just saw a seal in a parking lot oh my please god. Include why. <laughs> why? You have to have the reasoning. You have to. If I didn't have to fart, <laughs> we would have never seen him. <laughs> so you're welcome, mom. You're welcome. I'm a gassy gal. <laughs> you were kissed by Rose. <laughs> he was like, I have some roses to cover this stench. <laughs> he just keeps them in his trunk. He's just like, here's a dozen. Wave them around her butt. Bless you. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Fucking seal. <laughs> this should be our outro. If, we didn't, like, <laughs> if copyright wasn't a thing, because yeah. virus would be oh, our yeah. outro. We can just sing it, but change some words. <laughs> That's what SNL does. Yeah, right? We'll yeah. make it happen. Oh my god. Holy what? That's <laughs> funny. You just you know, stories come out here on the thinking next that we don't think. You know about what? Normally. They trigger memories yeah. of days past that I never would have realized. <laughs> you mean you didn't even know that story went so deep. It was no. simply that I needed to lie down. Oh my god. It just went so deep. You know what? I'm really happy that I shared it with you. I'm not even I'm happy you shared it with me. <laughs> I'll never forget. <laughs> and it will be documented forever. 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 That's right. All right. I dated a guy from that movie. Another oh, story. God. <laughs> story for another time. That's right. Okay. In 1996, Nancy and John moved to a new mobile home park in Kansas called Santa Barbara Estates. It's Fancy. <laughs> it sounds fancy. All the streets were named after California cities. Fun. I mean, they moved to the Santa Barbara estate. Excuse me, of course. Um, hello. They moved on to 36 Monterey Street. <gasps> Very big little lies of them. Did you look up their house? I'm sorry. Oh, look up their I houses. only saw one of their other places. It's not a house, it's a mobile home. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's going to look like a mobile home. It's going to look like a mobile home. <laughs> they picked up their house and they moved it from point A to point B. <laughs> they bought a new mobile it's home. It's in a and dirt lot. It on Monterey Street. There is a tree nearby. Yeah. <laughs> but let me tell you what. They had a statue of St. Francis in their front yard and wind chimes on their porch. I read something that like... If you have a wind chime, then, like, everybody has a wind chime. Or, like, if your neighbor has a wind chime, yeah. then, like, everybody on their street has a wind oh, chime. Oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I used to love wind chimes. I did, too. I what totally did. To them? Oh, they're still around. Are they? Do you have any? Um, 
No, because, okay, I used to, oh, God, this is going to oh, sound super fucking <laughs> I didn't crazy. know this was going to be like a deep story. No, okay, it, it's, it's, a, it's a movement thing. Whenever I see like, <clears throat> like apartment blinds like that are hung in a window, uh-huh. if they are all swaying, I will get uh, sick to my stomach. Oh. oh wow. I don't like seeing things, like if those like two little um, strings from the light right there, if yeah. they were like swaying side to side, I would like be, I would like be trying to like hide oh them my from God. my visual center. Wow. I don't know what so it is. So wind chimes really aren't Wind thing. chimes are not my friends because they constantly move and I try yeah, to get do. used to it, but I don't know what it is about like solid objects and swaying air, but it really fucking bothers me. Wow. It always has. It always has ever since I was young. Okay, so no. Cut all that out. (laughs) No, I'm leaving it in. I'm leaving it in. They had wind chimes and Rachel hated them. I've got a problem with them. She's not a fan. She is not on board with wind chimes. You know what? And if anybody else has that same like swaying anxiety i want to know i already have sweaty hands and nobody talks about it but if you have you are anxiety about swaying objects let me know okay back to your story so (laughs) (laughs) they had their statue they had their wind chimes but what Oh god. Okay, moving on. They're living in their mobile they live home. In they fancy are living in Santa Barbara. They are living their life, aka Kansas City. <laughs> they finally found some money, aka stolen money from right. those checks he had been sending to the PO box, right. and they're able to buy some real estate near where their old house used to be, where there's a pond where they can fish, and decide to put a mobile home there. So now they have. Two homes. A vacation home, baby. <laughs> they have their mobile home on that land. Wow. That's like some miles away. Right. And then they have their Santa Barbara estate, aka a mobile home in a park that's named after Santa Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in Kansas City. Now is when our usual topic comes into play. My usual topic comes into play. John discovered the internet mm-hmm. and online dating. Da da da. Yep. So in 1997, he found a BDSM website that he maintained on five computers, three desktops and two laptops. And it's like, honestly, that must have taken up their entire piece of land they just bought because computers were so large and their air conditioning (laughs) so high (laughs) from all those computers in one space. The computers were basically the size of their entire mobile home. Yeah, it's like. Getting a uh, like a like a mini like delivered to your house. Yeah, like a, like a car. Yeah, like here's your computer. Here's your computer. Uh, it'll take up your entire master bedroom. And, uh, <laughs> you um, so his handle on that website was Slave Master, which honestly, like he must have been the first on that website. Because it <laughs> to get that, yeah, because it wasn't have to like add a Slave Master sixty nine. No dash dash dash. No underscore numbers. underscore sixty nine sixty nine sixty nine. <laughs> Just Slave Master. So he was a wow. real trail, trailblazer he, on he that was website. The OG. Okay, Slave. so this is where he mates Isabel Luica. Luica. So this is in the early months of nineteen ninety seven. She was a freshman at Purdue University University of Indiana and had come from Poland when she was 12. In spring of 1997, Isabel tells her parents she had been offered an internship. She couldn't refuse when she met a man in Kansas. And guys, there was no internship. 
Okay, she didn't give her parents any details, which I'm sure was concerning, and they tried to convince her not to go, but she was an adult, so she drove to Kansas that June and started her internship. In this case, she did give them the address, and her parents wrote her letters. They decided in August, after not getting any letters back, to pay her a visit. When they got to the address, it was the P.O. box that he had (gasps) sent all those checks to. Oh, my God. The owner of the P.O. box, whatever company, the facility, refused to give them any information because it was the 90s and and they didn't even contact the police. That was it. Oh, God. They just didn't know any better. Yeah. They just didn't. Yeah. They didn't know any better. They... I don't know. Maybe they thought they'd hear from her. Or maybe he sent her blank, something blank letters eventually. Yeah, people, oh, you didn't get your mail? Whatever. Yeah. People don't get their mail all the time. Yeah. Or like, oh, this is the wrong address. People get that shit wrong all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, no, but that's her family. Like, that should trigger something. I know. Ugh. Ugh. So, okay. plot twist. <clears throat> Turns out he actually just had a BADSM relationship with her. Oh. Okay. And put her in one of those apartments that he had. <gasps> he paid her bills. And when they weren't having sex, well, she had a life of leisure, reading vampire and gothic novels she bought at the local bookstore. She sounds like she would have been, like, my best friend. Oh, yeah. For sure. Bought the same shit. (laughs) She usually dressed pretty gothic and was known by the owners of the the bookstore as the girl who was proud to be from Dracula's part of the world. Ooh. No. Okay. And she's dark. Yeah, she is. Okay. I mean, she's into BDSM and stuff, girl. I know, but like sometimes that's secretive. I know. Yeah, right. But she's like goth. Yeah, front out and proud. Yeah. Um, So in January of 1999, he moved her to an apartment closer to his home, and he would refer to her as his adopted daughter, which is fucking (gasps) sick. That's creepy. And his niece, all fucking sick. Like not even like an employee. Like why you gotta be fucking so sick? Fucking control. Yeah. Like why even make it familial? I know. monster later in the summer she took john to her favorite bookstore and introduced him to everyone and told them that she was going to be moving away and he would be the one coming to pick up the books Mm. and back to normal programming she ended up going missing in august of 1990 oh my god i wonder like honestly what her parents thought after all the time like he told all the people who had met her that she had been caught smoking weed with her boyfriend and was deported yeah. Isn't that fucking just awful? Just. It just surprises me that he is able to find these women that mm-hmm. have these like sustainable outs for yeah. him. Where he's able to be like, oh yeah, this is an adopted baby. Oh yeah. She's just. She yeah. Went back to like his people she don't moved. fucking believe him. And everyone's just like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Know. Sure. I believe you. I know. Man. Like, please. <laughs> No. No. (laughs) By fall of 1999, John had met Suzette Trout on the BDSM website. She was 27, lived in Monroe, Michigan, near Detroit, and loved collecting teapots. But she was the type that, like, didn't on the exterior look badass. She was just like, I collect teapots. Yeah. Like, nothing. I'm just like... She's, like, posing in her apron with, like, nothing else on except for the apron. Like, yeah. that is Suzette. Okay. Listen to this shit. Oh, my God. She is real fucking badass. Really? She had four dominants at one time. Okay. Had her nipples pierced. That's all the information I have. I mean, that, <laughs> uh, that hurts. I've got I've got one done. Ugh, I can't imagine. I'm a one and done. Yeah. No, thanks. Um, okay. But good for you, Suzette. 
Yeah, girl. Nipples. Get those nipples, Pierce. Trails blazing. Get those fucking teapots. <laughs> get those teapots. <laughs> so she and John meet up. Suzette was a nurse for home for home care. John said he needed a nurse for his elderly, rich father. So he had a job for her. To, so come on to Kansas. She gets there. He had a limo pick her up at the airport. She called her mom after arriving and told her about how they had a yacht, but she hadn't seen it yet. And he was going to, she was going to take care of his sick father, but she also hadn't met him because duh, he wasn't real. Right. So John told her she was going to be making $60,000 a year, which was huge. It was 1999. And he was going, I mean, that's big now, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that he was going to take her to Hawaii. What a wonderful vacation. So nice. She eventually got homesick, but she figured the money was worth it to pay for her degree. And by February, she was having all her belongings moved to Kansas from Michigan. He had her prepare for a trip to California so they could ride on his yacht. Before that, she had to sign 30 blank pieces of stationery. 30? 30. 30. Imagine like, also, she had to address 40 envelopes to family and friends. No. Yeah. That's too many. If you have to do one because somebody is, if it's, if it's like to your parents and you're signing one and you're like, okay, do you have a fucking surprise? I'll like write also, it, I'll write it at the end after you tell me what the fuck you're sending my parents. Mike asked me to sign 40 oh my God. blank pieces of paper. I would just like do laugh it. in his face. Oh. I was going to say, are you do it? It's no. like, um, what's that? The other woman. Have you seen that with Cameron Diaz? And I've seen. Yes. Yes, 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 I have. And I love when they meet each other at the oh end. And they like, have like movie. a great like little moment. So much. It's so good. But it's like, she's always signing things. And then it yes. turns out that she's like owner of all these companies. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you got to be careful. What? No. That's a prime example. You shouldn't be signing yes. things even for your husband. Oh my God. No. If Mike, you know what? If Mike asked me to sign 40 blank sheets of paper, I probably would. (laughs) I know. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) This is a lesson for you. Yes. Okay. Thankfully, Suzette. (laughs) Guys, we're going to have a part three. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Just kidding. Sorry. Um, Thankfully, Suzette was sure to keep in contact with her mom daily and friends on the BDSM website, like her friend Lori, who lived in Canada. She was aware of John and her's relationship. So on March 1st, John paid Sudette's final bills on her apartment, and she had even brought her dogs when she moved there. And John left the dog at the apartment without a collar, and Suzette was never heard from again. Oh, no. I know. Carolyn, Suzette's mom, and Lori both tried contacting John after not hearing from her for weeks, but he toyed with them and said she declined the job he offered and neither of them believed his bullshit. Good. They started to receive signed letters and emails from Suzette, but they didn't sound like Suzette. Suzette's family contacted local police and reported her missing. This time, the county was Lenexa Police Department. And previously, all the other women had been in another county where apparently their police department doesn't do shit. They're just like, oh, okay, we'll yeah. just mark that. We'll just check that box of missing on that person's yep. name. Just call it a day. Because they never could connect John to any of those murders. Oh. So Lenexa police is like, whoa, this sounds kind of insane. We're going to look into it. 
<laughs> so Detective David Brown immediately began a thorough inquiry into the disappearance of Suzette. You know, like all detectives should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> they get in a, they get his rap sheet and they're like, what the fuck? Oh my god. So Detective Brown, with his huge fucking list of crimes is like, well, I'm going to go ahead and go start a fucking task force (laughs) to get to this local bullshit. He got the local police, the state federal law enforcement, and even the FBI involved. Wow. Yeah. District Attorney Paul Morrison had been Johnson County Chief Law Enforcement Officer for 11 years and had convicted several high-profile murderers and now was zeroing in on John. Their first task was to go see our main man, Stephen Hayes. Because Stephen never, ever forgot about John and his bullshit. I mean, how could you? I know. And he brought them up to speed on his shit he had been doing since the 60s. So knowing his past, Detective Brown tells Suzette's family to start recording their conversations with John. (gasps) Oh. And in February of 2000, John had begun chatting with a woman named Jean, who was divorced, 34, looking for an established BDSM relationship. So they chat on the internet and phone. And on April 6th, it's a long weekend. She's all, how about I come visit? So he puts her up in a hotel and they hook up and he convinces her to come work for his company, Hydro Grow, the fake company. She ends up moving to Kansas in mid-May. One day, he decides to beat the shit out of Jean, and she becomes hysterical. She tries to call police, but was too hysterical to say anything. Oh, my God. She was still living in the hotel, so she went down to the front desk to get information and found out the room was registered to John Robinson, not James Turner. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Which he told her. She tried calling police again, but was still too upset. Now that she had this information. So the front desk called police for her. Detective Brown shows up and he's like, mm-hmm. I've been working on John for two months. Mm-hmm. She was still really distraught. So he postponed their interview to the next day and they spoke for the entire week. She, she was just telling him everything she knew. She told him about how he beat her and she wasn't a masochist, but was submissive. This was the peak of the investigation because they now had proof of his abusive nature and a person alive to tell them of his abusive behavior. So Friday, June 2nd, nine police officers go to the fancy Santa Barbara estates and arrest John for sexual assault. Wow. And took him to Johnson County Jail. Detectives began their search on his home. They seized all five computers and also found signed stationery from Lisa Stacy. Still in his home. Oh, my God. They also found receipts that he had checked Lisa into a hotel January 10th, which he had denied. They found he had a 10 by 15 foot locker nearby as well. So they get a search warrant for that. And in that storage unit, they found a shit ton of personal island items belonging to Suzette and Isabel. Suzette's birth certificate, (gasps) Isabel's driver's license, personal items they would need to survive and get jobs if they just ran off. Yeah. They then get a search warrant for his other property, the 16 acres. Mm -hmm. They find two 55-gallon metal barrels near a tool shed. No. I know. They found inside a nude female body immersed in 14 inches of fluid, which was the result of decomp. And by the way, guys... 
I Googled to see the 16 acres and in it, I found crime photos of what was inside. <gasps> yeah. They had actual photos on there of inside these barrels. Oh my God. Yeah. It was truly like, ugh, I still see it. Like don't, this is my recommendation. You can, if you want to see it, be careful if you're Googling about this story because you will see things. Yeah. Because it's so Just morbid and I will never forget. But if you want to see that type of stuff, then go ahead it's and there. Google it's there. Oh, God. To be the officer who finds something like that. Like, you don't mm-hmm. you don't want to find something like that. You no. don't want to see that. Mm-mm. Nobody wants to see that. <sighs> oh, that's rough. So, in the second barrel, they found the body of a second woman. They labeled them unknown one and unknown two. This investigation was very top secret, but they did notify Stephen that they had found two bodies. And he wasn't surprised, but the move from theory to reality was chilling. Mm -hmm. Detective Hughes, who works in the county the storage unit is. This is, again, where it gets confusing between counties. Like, there was a storage unit in two different counties. He had another storage unit. Oh, okay. So Paul Morrison, the Johnson County DA, he ends up like telling Detective Hughes that he's working a huge case and to let his boss know that the storage locker in his county. So here we go. Sunday morning, Mark Tracy, I'm assuming that's Detective Hughes's boss. Right. Didn't go into detail, but they um, basically they received a search warrant affidavit that was the longest he had ever seen in his career from what they found oh in that God. search, that locker. So he said John Robinson was believed to have killed several women and lured them from the Internet. Back in Kansas City, the same Sunday, the coroner had begun working on Unknown One. She had nipple piercings and tons of rings on her fingers and her hair was in a ponytail. Dr. Porgman, Podgman determined she had died from a massive blow, probably with a large hammer to the left side of her head. Oh, my God. From what it looked like, she had no time to defend herself and could have even been dead from anywhere from a few months to a year. Unknown so to... So she got, like, sucker punched. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Jesus. Unknown okay. two had died from similar inquiries injuries, but had a fractured skull and it had appeared he had hit her two times. And the left side of her jaw was also fractured. And mm-hmm. she too had not had been able to, to defend herself. To identify the women, they were able to get dental records um, the next day to identify them. So there was the second storage unit, locker, whatever you want to call it. Right. In another county. This is a locker that is much larger. It is 10 by 20 feet. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Well, in there, they find three barrels and it smelled like decomp. It was mistakable. It wasn't mistakable or was unmistakable. What am I saying? (laughs) The detective in Missouri, the Missouri district, which again, like Missouri is a state, not a city. I don't understand. Yeah, I just. (laughs) So just they just. So basically he tells them there's going to be bodies in that storage locker. Just call forensics right now. There's no need to go in there. We know that they're, we're going to find more bodies. Yeah. So um, Spare yourselves. Yeah, exactly. So oh, now they, God. of course, went into discussion of whose case it was because it crossed county lines. Uh, that's know. annoying. So I believe Kansas City took over and they ended up sending their crime lab. Okay. So they get in there and the first barrel has shoes and glasses and brown sheets. 
And when they go to pull the shoes out, they were attached to a leg. I know. They sent a police officer to go to Walmart to buy two kiddie pools. I'm not sure if this is sanctioned because of contamination, but they end up putting those underneath the barrels and take them out. Once they found the first body, they're like, okay, we need to take these bodies out. Oh, my God. The Kansas City Examiner said the bodies smelled like decomp, but they were older, like they had been exposed to air. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So each barrel contains several women who had been beaten to death with large hammers. So he, like, killed someone, put her in a bin, mm-hmm. killed, and then, like, Shoved. later, mm-hmm. killed another one, put her in the same bin, opened it up, exposed it mm-hmm. to oxygen, mm-hmm. and that's where the decomp, mm-hmm. the, and, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Okay. One had a shirt on that said California State of Mind. One was a teenager wearing green pants. The and fact that they could identify what they're wearing just I know. makes me so fucking sad. I know. None of the women oh. found had defensive wounds. They finally got the dental records back from the first two bodies, and they were identified as Suzette and Isabel. Later in the week, the other bodies were identified as former present librarian Sheila Faith, Beverly Bonner, and Sheila's wheelchair-bound daughter, Debbie, who was identified by X-ray. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Wow, this man had no shame, no no conscience, no wherewithal, mm-hmm. no care. Mm-hmm. Just. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. <sighs> Tiffany was finally found. She was now mm-hmm. Heather. Oh, that's right. Yep. She was 16 when she was found, and she stayed in the care of Dawn and Helen. 16. Mm-hmm. But DNA did test that she was related to Lisa Stacy, and she was aware of the investigation into John. John entered a non-guilty plea, even with the huge pile of evidence against him. Mm-hmm. John was sentenced to death for the murder of Isabel and Suzette and life in prison for Lisa and five to 20 years for interfering, kidnapping, and giving Tiffany away. As for Paula Godfrey and Catherine Clampett, also missing since the 80s, they had never discovered the bodies. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. In 2005, Nancy at first supported him, but after the trial was going, proceeding, mm-hmm. she was like, okay. I'm going to file for divorce. So after 41 years of marriage, this poor woman finally files from divorce. Um, so in 2006, Lisa's daughter filed a civil suit against the medical center who referred her mother to John. And in 2007, they reached a settlement. And Heather also filed a suit preventing John from profiting from any future potential book sales or film rights. <gasps> Good Bitch for is- her. Yes. In 2006, they found another barrel with a young woman in rural Iowa. He had reportedly had business partners there, and they were unable to identify that woman since the remains had been there for possibly over 20 years. <gasps> but they believed he was involved. In November of 2015, Kansas Supreme Court vacated the convictions for Lisa, but upheld the death sentence for the most recent murders. He is still on death row at the El Dorado Correctional Facility. In Kansas. Wow. Wow. Okay. So he is on death row. I mean, yeah. When they can pinpoint you and put you and pin you for first degree murder, you're immediately signed up for the death penalty if you get charged with first degree murder. I learned that recently with my last story that I did. Does it depend on the case? 
It depends on the case, but it also is like if or the you state. are sorry. Uh, uh, I don't know. I would have to look that up. But I I thought as an overall rule, if you are convicted of first degree murder, then if your state uh, upholds capital punishment, then you oh. are up for the death penalty. If Got you are it. convicted of first degree murder, wow. because that means that you murdered somebody with intent with purpose you knew what you were doing at the time and you did it anyway okay. that's why second degree oh, murder yeah, yeah. and manslaughter okay. all have different levels because yeah. it it depends on if you had intent or if it was accidental okay. if it's accidental it's manslaughter okay which sounds way worse than murder yeah in my opinion well yeah because it just yeah it sounds worse it's it's, fucking law <laughs> But life in prison. <sighs> anyway, and he has the death penalty yes. up yep. his He's butt. still alive and waiting on death row. Oh, God. So, and it's not in California because California basically sits on the death penalty, which is yeah. what I learned from my last story. Yes. But in other states, I wonder, I mean, I'm sure in Texas, they're just like putting them on a conveyor belt and I like know. letting them go. <laughs> Kansas, or but Missouri. Damn Missouri, it. I don't really know how uh, they... I don't either. I don't know how they do it in Missouri. No idea. No idea. Let me call my grandma. I'll ask her. Excuse me. She reads all the like... Obit- Dude, my grandma straight up reads all the obituaries. Really? And like reads... Um, the eulogies that people oh, wow. like put know, in papers. That, like being on Kevin and Bean does that too. She f- like she finds it very fascinating. Yeah. You know what? Shit. I should tell my grandma that I'm doing a true crime podcast oh and God. she'd probably listen. She'd be so excited. She knows what a podcast is. Dude. <laughs> no. <laughs> just tell her the fact and be like, just she's, know it's out there. She's in her 70s. Aw. I could send it to her and be yeah. like, Grandma, listen. Aw. You never sent me a birthday in your <laughs> wish in your life, but oh listen God. to my podcast. Pay attention to me. <laughs> now in my 30s, please. <laughs> you didn't care about me when I was a teenager, but listen to me now. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> listen, bitch. That's hilarious. All right. Good Guys, we're deed. fucking tired. I know you were really excited for that pot too. Dude. Rachel was really excited for it. But now we have been talking for over three hours. Oh, good Lord. It has been a true night. It really has. Mare. One. <laughs> oh, man, I thought we were friends. Oh, man, this is going to be us fighting all over again. Just fighting kidding. over nothing. Because you're stupid. That's it. <laughs> Just kidding. Dude. All right. That was a fucking whirlwind. Wasn't it nuts? I took like six pages of notes. It's fucking I went from writing legibly to like, dude, just write this shit down so you remember. It's like so nuts. I just can't believe he got away with so much for so long. I know. And it is just. I tried to whittle it down, but honestly, like there was too much. You You can't. can't. You can't to like grasp how fucking crazy this story is. Yes. You just can't. Dude. So let's end the podcast on our favorite part. Let's cheer the fuck up. That's right. Murder. Cool down. We doing two? Yeah. Okay. Because those are really short, right? Yes. Like Both of these <laughs> little readings and reviews are little, little, little teensy little bits of love. But hey, 
they're still bits of love and we still appreciate them. Yes. So we've got the dude with basically his phone number, 326-365-951. Oh, I wonder if it is. Minus a number. Do you know who that is? No. Long Beach dude. Oh. What up, Long Beach dude? He doesn't listen. Uh, he messaged me and said, wouldn't it be really cool if you did bloopers? And I said, maybe you should fucking listen to the <laughs> podcast. What are you, new? God damn it, don't fucking mansplain how to do my fucking podcast. My own passion project. Get the fuck out Get of here. Get the fuck out of here. Thank you so now much he for listens. your review. <laughs> So we've got the dude who says, hilarious and fun. Love the podcast. Keep them coming, please. Slash. Oh, we will. I will never listen to the new episodes. <laughs> so rude. We are keeping them coming and we are not stopping anytime soon. No. So brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. Strap yourselves in and hold on to your butts. Hold on to them butts. <laughs> <laughs> we got Andy Banani. 21. Oh, Annie. Hi, Annie Bammy. Uh, No, thank you. Next. Five stars. Great podcast. I look forward to hearing more stories. Thanks for the entertainment. Aww. Annie Banani, you are welcome. You're welcome, Aunt Banani. Oh, my gosh. So nice. All right, thank guys. you for the love, the support, the charming little blips that you guys send us on yes. the iTunes reviews and in our DMs. Yes. And all the likes on the pictures that we send that relate to yeah. the stories. You Dude, guys are so kind. It's all good. You're all nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, we guys. Pooped. We will see you guys next week for an all new, new horrible, horrible story. story. <laughs> Bye. Welcome. Welcome. Hi. Welcome we don't post and we're... We don't post. We don't check we don't it. Use it. And there's just five of us. <laughs> <laughs> Look, me and my dad have the same handwriting. I don't know what you want me to say. It's like now I bet teachers are like, take selfies with your parents. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up this fucking letter selfies. and take a selfie. <laughs> That'd be smart, honestly. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to relay this. Kids would fucking get photoshopped. I'm going to relay this to all my teacher friends. Yeah. Selfies. Ooh, good idea. Selfies, selfies is the real. Signatures can be doctored. That's right. Take a selfie. Take a selfie or it didn't happen. What? What would you, how would you do that sentence? I'll take, I'll take blank stationery Vaca- for things 500, you do before please. a vacation, Alex. You think so? <laughs> what? No. Who? I don't know. What is the correct term before uh, sign blank pieces of stationery? Like, uh, I don't understand I Jeopardy. It. I have it a second ago. Is it Jeopardy? Yes, Jeopardy. Okay. I don't understand Jeopardy. <laughs>